the IC Robots Trying to Get Vaccinated Show. Hey kids, it's me, your dude, IC Robots, and we're back for one more episode after what we thought was the last episode of the uh, Trying to Get Vaccinated Show. I don't know, man, if you followed uh, along last week, you learned that like my whole vax... The whole thing was a, uh, it was a catastrophe, but I'm gonna go later this week, so hopefully we'll, uh, be able to get that shot in the arm, we'll be free from harm, everything will be great. Man, I feel like, I feel like the last guy in California not to get vaccinated, uh, Gino Vegas was vaccinated, my guy, the teen idol on the tweets got vaccinated, even though I heard that he's feeling a little under the weather, my kid, my wife, everybody has it but me, I am the last one out there that needs to be in a protective bubble in the entire state of California, but that's okay. Eventually, I will be able to be protected like the rest of you. Until then, I'll be living inside my uh, rubber balloon, safe from all harm. Man, I gotta admit, I don't got a lot for this week. I went so whole hog last week and that I... That I ran out of things to say because I'm just like, this is the last time you're ever going to hear me talking about any of this stuff. So, I might as well go all out, but we're back again. You know, this is just like super indicative of what it was like to be in the vaccine world. A lot of people thought they're going to get it, can't get it, can't find it. I've heard some people in other states, like my guy, the necrotic doctor, saying it's like impossible to find where he's at. So, I don't know, man. I I probably really like... I just kind of overshot, you know, I, I assumed that it was all going to be good in the hood, I trusted in the system, the system let me down, so here we are, I'm not going to call this the last one until it's over, it's not over till it's over, as they say. I was at the Dollar Tree the other week. I didn't record anything. Uh, shout out to Ferg. He loves those Dollar Tree segments. But I, I didn't record when I was over there. But um, I I did pick up a couple Final Factions. You guys know that I'm a big fan of this action figure line. Um, let's see. These are the actual last two items that I needed to be like completely done with the whole thing. I got the Synthoid. He's a member of the Karn. The Karn have a very advanced technology that are autonomous, have been synthetic biology, and are highly intelligent. This is this is some kind of like a creature kind of deal. This was the one that I I kind of like the least out of all of them, so I sort of waited till the end. But he's still pretty dope. Let's let's open him up and take a look. I gotta say, I just I absolutely love this final faction line over at the Dollar Tree. He's really. He's really weird looking. He's shorter than the other guys, and it has a body that's kind of in the shape of like an upside down Starfleet logo. You know, that triangular logo that Starfleet has. His whole body is kind of in a shape like that with what looks like a wave motion gun from the front of the Yamamoto right there at the front of his, the front of his form. His arms come off, I guess. One of his arms is like a pincer. The other is like a dagger, and in my other hand here I have an accessory pack. This is, this is called the Weapons Pack for the Synthoid, and it has additional arms that you can put into his physical form, increasing his abilities. I'm away from the mic now, and I apologize. Shout out to my guy Preston, who loves it when I go away from the mic, he loves it when I go under the desk. Let's see what we got here. We have four different arms. Let's try to pop his arm off. Oh, they come off super easy. Pull that off. And then we're going to stick this one in here. This one's kind of neat. It's like a stabby kind of thing. Let's try this one first. This one is, it should go on this side. Fits in easy enough. This one is like a hand. This one is like a weapon arm. Yeah, these are cool, I guess. How does this one go in? Let's, do these, oh, these might go, these go on his back. I get it. He has two holes in his back, and now these go over his shoulder, and they're like additional zip zaps. Let's, uh, let's look at the packaging. Let's pull this out of the He-Man garbage can down here. I threw it away a little too hastily. Let's, uh, let's stick those in there, and we'll see what they say about the, about the weapon, weapons. Then we'll see what they say about the weapons. I do have to give it up to the Final Faction guys. Whoever made these, these are distributed by Greenbrier Interna International out of uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. They, they're they putting together a really great product at a really cheap price. So you have two battle arms, and these are energy-based shoulder-mounted cannons that increase the Synthoid's long-range attack capabilities. So with these, these are like like artillery. And then he has two arms. He has a trap arm, which gives the Synthoid additional dexterity, and it increases his ability to grab. And then he has a needle arm, which is for close-of-range combat. And it gives the uh, ability to inject nerve toxins into enemies. That's sick. Biological weapons. 
Those are outlawed by the Geneva Convention, but uh, I guess when you're fighting the Karn, anything goes. He's actually, he's pretty cool. If you're into monsters, if you're like a monster guy, hold on, I just got a text. It's from, uh, it's from, I don't know who this is from. I'm going to drop this here. Don't care. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if you're into monsters, the Karn are really creepy, really cool monsters. I myself am not like a grody monster guy, but I, I see the appeal I know why people like him, so I'm gonna have to give, I'm gonna have to give this Synthoid a big thumbs up. For a dollar? He's fantastic. When you take an extra dollar and you buy the weapons pack, I'm, I'm not kidding. These are fantastic toys. For two bucks, you have something really, really fun to play with. These are really great. Let me grab my other two cards while I'm, uh, while I'm here and I can stand them all side by side and we'll have like a, like a little Karn discussion panel. Excuse me. My microphone placement is awful. I should, I should just cancel the pod because it's terrible and it sounds bad. If you guys want me to do that, hit me up on the tweets, uh, hashtag cancel the pod and I'll, I'll do so. But, um, anyway, until that date comes, let's, let's stand my three Karns here. Pretty cool. This is, this is like the boss Karn. This is like the little baby Karn. And then this one is like the monster Karn Synthoid. Very cool. These are all, these are all like hefty. Like, these have to cost more than a dollar in plastic. I'm not even kidding. I don't know the economics behind this, but it is, uh, it's really interesting stuff. See, I got them all three here. You can't see this at all, but this is, uh, like, fun for me to do, so we're gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna stand them all right here. Dope! I like them all, man. When you got the whole action trigger line, it's like $12. Very well spent. I understand that there's gonna be a second wave coming sometime soon. There's, like, a little robot dog... And there's another soldier, and then there's, like, a robot. These are all, like, speculated. They posted a picture on the Final Faction website a while ago of these three guys. I think there's four guys all together, and I just, I can't wait. I really can't wait. It makes it fun to go over to the uh, Dollar Tree. I gotta say, the Dollar Tree toys have been hitting pretty good lately. I got some, uh, I got some fun Hot Wheels over there the other day. And it's just, I'm a Dollar Tree guy. It's fun, man. You can go in there with five bucks, and you can have a great time. Over the course of this whole year, like... The Dollar Tree has been, like, one of the only places I allow myself to go because I, I, I can, like, make the argument that, like, this is essential shopping, even though there's, like, toys and all these, all these fun things there, but I can still kind of, like, disguise it under the guise of, uh, essential shopping. Do you remember, do you remember, like, the very beginning, like, the very beginning of the Stuck at Home show when I was giving out tips of where you could find stuff, like, I was out at Dollar Tree and I found big bags of flour, and I was shouting everybody out because, dude, I'm like, you can find flour at the Dollar Tree. I mean, at the big lots. And it was like, there was no flour. There was no any kind of any essential goods. That was, that was such a wacky time. And it feels like, it feels like so long ago. And I realized it was a long time ago. It was a year ago. But that's not even like super long in the scheme of things. We've come, we've come a long way. We've come so far that we're all just like, we're all adjusted. Like, I, I went to the gym. I walked by the gym and there was like literally nobody in there. Like, literally no one. So I went in and I had a workout. And I'm like, I'm in there working out with my, with my face mask on. Like, riding the exercise bike. Trying to get some cardio in. I'm thinking like, this is so weird. It's so weird. Like, over the course of a year, you've adjusted to riding a bike. And now you're like doing it with a mask on. Just, just a weird, wacky time. But, uh, I, I can't say that like... I can't say that from, like, a personal level, I had a really bad time this year. I don't mind being in the house, and I don't mind being, like, all by my lonesome. These are, are things that really don't drive me that crazy. So, like, overall, it's been okay. But I can understand if you're more, like, an extroverted kind of guy who enjoys going out to concerts, going out to fun stuff, having a good time. This might be, like, a maddening, terrible time in your life. But for me, it wasn't that bad. It just kind of... It kind of just fell into my wheelhouse of what I what I like out of life. And it turns out what I like out of life is like hanging around the house, doing my little workouts, uh, talking to you guys, doing some tweets, doing some whatever, taking pictures of my cat. I don't know. I'm a simple guy with simple means. Let's move forward in the show. Let's get to that shot. This is the trying to get vaccinated show. It's something unpredictable, but in the end, it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's real. I hope you had the time of your life. Let's get that shot. 
Chiwetel Ejiofor. Isn't that, um, that's the dude that was in, uh, Doctor Strange, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Anyway, I, I recently put out the call for questions. I asked any of you cats out there if there's anything you want to know about Icy Robots before we, uh, wound up the Giddy Vaccinated show. And I got, I got a few interesting ones and I decided I would kind of smatter them around the course of the show, kind of kind of mix it up. Try to keep it fresh. The first one is from good pal of the show, famous author Mark Alley. Do a Google on that. A-L-L-I-E. He has some really great books about nostalgia, about retro stuff. He's really awesome. And he wanted to know what was the worst job and the best job I've ever had. This is this is a tough one. When it comes to best job, I really wonder what, what quantifies best job. Is it the job where you, like, you earn the most money, the job where you got the most fulfillment, or the job where you had the most fun? For this, for the case of this, I think I'm just going to go with, like, the job that I had the most fun at. And that was, that was probably either my time at the movie theater at UA6 downtown, or my time at the Bradley video in, in Rinkin Valley here. That was, that was, like, the period of my time when I had, like, the most money and the least responsibility. Like, I was just, like running around, doing whatever, working these weird chips at the video store, getting off at like 12, 1, 2 in the morning. Same thing at the movie theater. And it was like, it was like this whole different world to me where I was spending my time at work and then going out and just like hanging around all night with like hooligans and weirdos and losers and just like having the time of my life, man. So it's either the video store or the um movie theater. Let's see, the worst, uh, well... I haven't had, like, a lot of awful jobs, honestly. Like, I don't... I'm not, like... I'm not, like, Mr. Finds, like, life satisfaction through work. I really appreciate people who can, like, really, like, get into something and do it for their whole life. But, like, I tend to find my satisfaction outside of work with, like, doing my projects, doing my whatever. So, works are, like... They're, like, a means to an end. So, to me, they all kind of stink a little bit. But the absolute... The absolute worst ones I ever had... The the first job I, I, I got in my entire life was as a uh, telemarketer for this weird company and I kind of I kind of like stumbled onto it by accident it was like junior year of high school and I was hanging out with this guy named Aklilu this was this was one of my Eritrean homeboys from uh, Santa Rosa High and AK that's what we called him we called him AK AK mentioned to me that he had a job after school like selling these coupon books and that they would like pay you out in cash at the end of the day and all this all this stuff and like I had no money dude so I'm just like hey I'll give it a shot. And he also told me they would hire anybody. They just gave you a script and you had to read the script. So I, I went in there and I did that a few times. And it was just like, it was just like so weird and so strange to me. We sold these coupon books. The coupon books were for this company called the Santa Rosa Junior Chamber of Commerce. And the way that it, the way that it works was, it was just like this thick coupon book for all these local businesses where you could go in and get like two for ones at JJ North's buffet or like 10% off at fantasy books and games, but the way they asked us to advertise these in the scripts was, like, they took the entirety of the savings for, like, the entire book, and it came out to be, like, $1,500, and they said, you can get a $1,500 coupon book for only $29.95, I think that was the price, it was, like, $29.95, $29.99, something like that, but they asked us to, to present it to that, they asked us to present it in this way that where it seemed like you were getting, like, the biggest bargain in the world. And I, for whatever reason, was pretty good at this. And I sold a bunch of them. And every single time I sold one, I felt really bad because the person on the line who was going to purchase these, they they felt to me like older folks. And I, I felt like I was just, like, grifting old folks. And it was, like, it was really terrible. I only lasted a couple days there. But, like, the shortest period of time I ever worked a job was I once worked at the McDonald's here in Rinkin Valley for, like, two hours. I got the job there. And, like, this was also one of my first jobs. And I wasn't really, like, acclimated to the work world yet. And I went in. And for whatever reason, they they gave me, like, zero, like, absolutely no training. They were, like, busy that day. And they said, okay, Icy Robots, get on the hamburger griller and work that right now. And I'm just, like... I don't know how to work it. And the guy was like, figure it out. And I'm seriously like, I have no idea how to work this. Like, how many burgers do I put on here? How long do I cook them? I have no idea. And he's just like, you better figure it out. And I, I did my best for a while and I kept messing it up. And guy wasn't very nice about it. And he yelled at me. I was either like overcooking the burgers, or like undercooking the burgers, but he couldn't even be bothered to like answer to me, like how many I do at a time and like how many, like how long they are. You put them on the grill and then he would like pull this thing down, as I recall, to like clamp them down. And you're supposed to leave them there for like some predetermined amount of time. But like, so I was like, I have to use the restroom. 
And I just left. I just walked right out. I lasted only a couple hours. The fun part is, I later went back and I got my check. So I, at one point, had a check for like $1.75 or something from McDonald's. But that was, that was horrible for me. That was like really hard. I, um, I just had such a hard time getting yelled at and I was young and it was... It was awful. I go to that McDonald's now, and I remember, like, there was, like, a period of time I didn't even want to go in there because I just had, like, such a such a bad vibe from the whole place. Let's get to that shot. Let's, uh, let's actually take a couple more of these questions before we move on to something else. I don't even know what else. This is just, like, I'm, I'm flying by the wing, wing, of, wing of my pants, whatever. What's the, uh, what's that saying? I'm flying by the leg of my pants. I don't... I don't even know, dude. We're on, a, we're on a wing and a prayer, as it were. Let's see what else we got. Uh, we got one here from my man Javier. I haven't, haven't actually heard from Javier in a while. Hope he's doing well. Haven't, uh, haven't heard from him in a long, long time. But let's see. He wants to know if I am going to do any more writing for Vic Sage's Pop Culture Retro Rama site. I love that site, and I read all the articles that come down the pipe. Big shout out to to Ashley and Earl and everyone else over there. But I, I don't know, man. I just don't write as much as I used to. At one time, like, writing was, like, my number one art, but that was, like, that was, like, the days before I could do this, or the day before I had, like, easy access to a, uh, digital camera, but, like, ever since then, like, like, talking and photography have taken the place as the top art, and writing is, like, it's really slid down the chain to the point that all I ever really do is I write, I write Sarah emails, and I, I do stuff like that, but I... I honestly don't see the day when I ever get back into heavy writing. It just doesn't have the same satisfaction that it used to. I think that I think that the reason people write is you you have something to say and you want to get it out there. And as far as I am concerned, this is just like an easier way to get things out there. It's easier for me to get one of these done and published and finished than it is to like write an article, hope that it goes up. Hope that people read it. I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely have respect for the writing arts, and I read like a maniac, but it's just, I don't have that feeling that I used to. I used to feel like, like the words were just coming out of my fingers. I felt like they were coming out, and they had to come out, or I would explode. But now instead, I just do this, and that creative energy goes out a lot quicker. So, as much as I love the site, and as much as I love the work that Vic does, and I have respect for Vic and everything going on over there, I just... I don't see the day when I'm sitting down and writing an article when I could just as easily, like, talk about whatever the topic is. But my man Javier writes over there, and I love the stuff that he does, and I love all the work from everybody. It's a great site. PopCultureRetroRama.com. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Let's see. I got, uh, what else do I got here? got a couple from my man Esqualito on the tweets. He wants to know, what was my biggest score ever at a thrift store? I, I put some thought into this. I really tried to think about it. And I think, like, the biggest score financially I ever came up on was, I found a giant box of four-track cassettes. Is that what they were called? They're like... They're similar to 8-track cassettes, but they're much longer, they're much wider, and I found an entire box of blank cassettes, and I, like, seriously had no idea what these were. I had never seen them before. When I first found them, I thought they were, like, the kind of cassettes you would use in, like, old-timey computers, but I thought they were cool, I thought they were neat, so I decided to bring them home, and I did, I did a little bit of research on them, and I couldn't find any like, up on the online. I looked on eBay to see if anybody was interested in these kind of things, and I couldn't find any listed, so I just, like, I took a couple pictures of one, and I put it up there, and within a couple minutes, I got, I got an email from a guy, and he was like, where'd you find these? How many of these do you have? Can I buy them all? And I, I since learned that this was, like, a format that they tried to put out at one time, and it didn't really catch on, but they're, like, they're, like, aficionados of this, this product, and these blanks that I had are, like, incredibly rare, apparently. Like, the guy said he had never even seen blanks before, and he wanted to buy the whole box. He shot me an offer of 1500 bucks for all of them, and I said, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, because they probably cost me, like, five bucks. I don't even know. This was back before they were weighing things at the dig. This was back in the days of just, like, the cashier would decide how much things cost. The dig is the Goodwill outlet store, for those of you who are new listeners. I used to go there all the time, but ever since this has been going on, it's been closed. I do hear word that they're planning on reopening at some point as the vaccine rates go up. So I'm looking forward to going back there again and hanging and clanging around, seeing what my old dig buddies are doing. But yeah, that box of those cassettes was Far and away the biggest financial score I ever found at a uh, at a thrift store. I am known 
to find things and put them up on the online from time to time. It helps fund your adventures. Anything you find at a store and you then flip, it's like, that's like free money, you know, and you can like spend it as you, uh, as you see fit. And then he also wants to know, do I prefer snapbacks or fitted hats? Like, first of all, I'm not like a giant baseball hat guy. I do wear a hat if I go like ride my bike or I go to the gym just to like keep the sun or the sweat out of my eyes, but I'm not like Mr. Wear a Baseball Hat out in public or anything. Nothing against it, dude. I just, I wear glasses. And I find that like when I wear the glasses, the hat sort of like pushes down on my glasses and it's a little bit uncomfortable, but I do, I do wear them for sun protection. Back when I was in high school, I was like a fitted hat guy. I definitely had a fitted hat that I would wear all the time and that was like my, my, my way to go through life. But like since then, I've moved more into like snapback hats. Right now, I have one, like, super beat down, super dusted A's hat that I wear when I when I go to the gym. It's, like, it's, like, not even green anymore. It's, like, gray. It is, like, bombed out and depleted. Then I got, like, a brand new Oakland A's hat that's just, like, it's so minty and it's so fresh and it's so great with, like, the green, the Kelly green and the Fort Knox gold bill. And I, I do want to wear it, but it's, like, I feel like if I wear it, I'm going to ruin it and I'm going to sweat it up. It's going to get messed up. And it's just, it's so pristine and it's so beautiful that I, I really would only wear it for, like, formal occasions. And I haven't had, like, a formal baseball occasion in so long. But I would have to say that nowadays I definitely wear more snapback hats than fitted hats. The main reason for that is the way that I rock my hair I'll like, I'll let it grow to like a certain length to where I don't really like it anymore. And then I'll just like shave it all off, right? So a fitted hat, like can't comfortably match the hair, if that makes sense. Like I'll try it on and it might feel fine with the shaved head, but then as it gets a little longer, it starts to feel a little more, a little more tight. So I do kind of prefer the adjustable fitted hat style. Big shout out to Javier. Big shout out to my mom, Esqualito, for those interesting questions. Let's get the next shot. This is the trying to get vaccinated show. Yes, take a look at these sports cards. The great new way to remember great moments of sports. You know On that? On of each card are full color pictures. You know that? Special symbols tell you at a glance the contents of all the cards and let you file them as you wish. On the back, dozens of fascinating facts. The records, who broke them and when? You know that? Plus the athlete story, his achievements and setbacks. That next, a trip into the world of sports trading cards with the rated bookie Brula, Icy Robot. Hey, this is me, Icy Robots, and we are back you- with another exciting sports card that I have bought. This one, um, this was one that I, I, I actually struggled with getting. I bid on a couple different auctions before finally, before finally winning one. And it turns out the one that I won was actually, like, cost far less than the one that I had been bidding on earlier. But let's, uh, let's get into the envelope here and we'll see what's inside. Let me, um, snip, 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 snip. Let's, uh, cut, 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 get inside. Oh, this one is, uh, this one is well-wrapped. Where did this come from? This came from Bayou Valley, Louisiana. That's, that's interesting. I wonder what that place is like. Probably hot. I imagine it's hot, hot and sticky, but also, but also scenic. If you happen to come from Bayo Valley, let me know what that's like. Hit me up on the tweets at IC Robot sometimes. You can talk about that. Let's, uh, let's pop this open. Oh, this one is, it's well packed in here. They have it wrapped in cardboard. Let me, um, let me snip, through, very carefully snip, snip, snip on this side, snip on this side. Gotta make sure, I always worry that when I do this, I'm gonna bust inside and I'm gonna actually cut the card in half. So let's make sure that we don't do that. All right, here we go. What we have right here in my hand is a Tobacco Road card number 14, 1980. This is number 14 in the set. This is the card of Yomiuri Giants, first baseman, Sadaharu O. Japanese leagues and home runs 
Yadaharu Oh started off his career as a pitcher, but after showing great power at the plate, he was moved to first base, where over the years, he became the all-world, all-time home run leader. I think Homeboy has 868 home runs. That's more than Barry Bonds. That's more than Babe Ruth. That's more than Hank Aaron. That is more than anybody, sure. Just saying right now, but but I see robots. He played in the Japanese league. That's easier. The parks are smaller. And I say nay. I say nay, my dude, because there are plenty, plenty, plenty of small parks in America. The old Yankee Stadium was a bandbox. There are band boxes all over the place. That's what you call a small baseball stadium. I don't know why, but that is a term that I've heard bandied about many times. Band box. But uh, our guy played in the Japanese league his whole entire career. He never came to America like Ichiro or some of the guys today. So we'll never really, we'll never really know how we would have fared against American competition. But I think if you take a look at like at like Ichiro's career and some of the guys who are there now you see that they're easily able to transition into the American Major League. So I, I kind of feel like that idea that somehow the Japanese League is way inferior isn't true. Sure, it's different. There is a different style of play. The pitchers the pitchers tend to rely more on breaking balls rather than fastballs. The parts are a little bit smaller, but you, you don't like necessarily see American players going over there and dominating like you used to. And you're seeing like a lot of Japanese players come to America and having really great careers. Ichiro, for example, was one of the greatest hitters in major league history. So I think that, I think that it would have been super intriguing to see O come to America and play in the major leagues. But he's a Japanese national. Of course he wants to stay in Japan, play for his home people, play for the pride of his country, play for the pride of the Yomiuri Giants. I... I have always been a fan of Sada Haruo ever since I, I first saw him on an episode of The Baseball Bunch. That's where the samples for that little uh, ditty we just heard came from. It was from an episode of The Baseball Bunch where they go and they talk to Sada Haruo was in the, who was in the country temporarily doing a little bit of, you know, celebrity coaching for the uh, L.A. Dodgers. They had like Tommy Lasorda talk to him and they showed some highlights and stuff. And I was just like, I was like super intrigued by this guy. I was super intrigued by the fact that his career was so much like Babe Ruth. Like Homeboy started off as a pitcher, much like the great Bambino before transitioning into a position player. And then he was just like roping dingers left and right. I was really I was really intrigued. I remember I even went down to the uh, Sonoma County Library and I did an interlibrary loan and I got this book called uh, Zen in the Art of Baseball by Sadaharu O where he talked about his philosophy of baseball and just like his career and such. I went I went on the online to see if I could find a copy of that book, but it's out of print and it's quite valuable at this point. Not like thousands, but like hundreds. Like it's like a hundred dollar book. So if you happen to be in a used bookstore somewhere and you see this for a couple dollars, Pick it up for me, and I'll pay you back, because I would love to have it. Zen in the Art of Baseball by Sadaharu Oh. Sadaharu Oh, he had this really interesting um, batting stance. He would, like, he would, like, lean back a little bit, like, lean back away from the plate, and he kind of, he kind of moved his foot up, his left foot up in the air a little bit, to where it wasn't, like, it was almost completely off the ground, but you could kind of see, like, his toe was touching a little bit, and as the pitcher started to uh, go into his windup, he would lift his leg. He called it the flamingo stance. And he, he determined that, like, over the years, this was a way for him to keep focused and a way for him to, like, not overextend himself. He's like, I can't swing too hard. I can't swing too crazy if I'm on one leg. So I, I use this as a way to just keep my focus. And when you see, like, a video of it, it's quite beautiful. Homeboy had a beautiful, beautiful swing. I, I remember reading this biography of Pete Rose back when I was a kid, and he talked about going over to Japan and playing some, like, exhibition all-star type games. And one of the things he said was, like, he was very curious about Sadaharu O oh and how he would be able to compete in America. And he's like, once I met Guy, I was pretty certain he would have done great because he he's not a small guy. He's kind of stocky with like big legs, big thighs, the power from your swing. It doesn't come from your arms. It doesn't come from your shoulders. It comes from your legs. And he was like, Sadaharo had very sturdy, very strong legs. And he feels pretty confident that he'd be able to like rope some dingers in America. As a matter of fact, Sadaharu O and Hank Aaron had a competition back in the day. They had like a uh, exhibition home run hitting contest in Japan and Sadaharu O won. Sure, they were both at the end of their career, so it's not really like a like fair measure of who is a better ball player. It's just it's just neat to think that Homeboy was able to hang with the all-time great Hank Aaron. This card I have here in my hand is a 1980, so that's like that's like a 41-year-old card, but it is it is toward the end of his career. I think he played one more year after this before becoming the manager of the Giants, where he where he stayed until uh 
I believe he stayed up until only a few years ago. Oh, had stomach cancer, and he had to retire from managing. But he survived. He's still with us. He's 80 years old. He's out there hanging and banging, probably out taking batting practice still without a stomach, roping homers over the fence. He's just like, to me, a very intriguing, very admirable character. I, I bid on quite a few different O cards. There was a fella in Japan who happened to, like, at the same time I was interested, he was posting a bunch of, like, a bunch of, like, Japanese league cards, and I kept getting, I kept getting outbid, and I, I finally had to settle on this one. This is an American card, and I still do want a Japanese league card of O. I think that would just be, like, a really interesting collectible, but I'm happy with this one. I'm happy with this one for now. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this story really quick. The day that I, I had my vaccine appointment canceled was the same day that, like, this, uh, Japanese League O card was coming up that I was bidding on. And I got, like, I got, like, really annoyed. Like, I was really in a bad mood about the whole vaccine thing. So I kept bidding and bidding and bidding, hoping that I would win. And I got up to, like, $175, which is, like, way more than I ever want to spend for a card. But I was, like, I was in this, like, fugue state after having my appointment canceled, and I didn't know what I, what I was doing. I just... I needed a win, and I still, I still got outbid, but I, I like to think that I made that guy some money, you know, because I bid the card up to such a high point. I, I wanted it really bad. I, I feel like I would have bought it, and then it would have come, and it would have punched myself in the stomach for bidding so much on the card, but I just, like, I needed a win. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation where you just, like, you keep bidding and bidding and bidding, because you're just, like, you're just curious how much the person in front of you bid, because you know how it works. Like, you bid, 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 bid. And the price goes up, like, up until the point of you passing their high bid, and then you become the highest bidder. I was just like, I have no idea what his high point was, but it was me and him. And the homeboy ended up paying, like, $175 for the card, so, I don't know. Good for him, I guess. But this is, this is a really, uh, fine one. It's very fine, very cool card. I'm happy to have it in my collection. It's neat. It's not the, uh, it's not the same size as, like, a traditional, like, tops baseball card. It's smaller, more in line with, like, a, um, what you would call, like, a tobacco card back in the day, but still. It's very cool. It has a very nice picture of O on the front. He was number one for the Tokyo Giants. Just really, really cool card that I'm happy to have in my collection. Let's move forward. We're gonna come back in a sec, answer more of your queries. Let's get to that shot. I will always say these words, they are true, but they are small and they're really not enough. And my eyes get full of tears. And the tears are full of joy, and I don't know what to say. Man, I honestly, like, never know what to say. I just, like, I don't know, dude. It's, uh, it's just, uh, just a fact of life. But, uh, let's see. I'm gonna take a few more of these questions. Uh, let's see. This one here is from my guy Stuntman Mike. What's up, Stuntman Mike? Haven't heard from you in a while. Hope you're doing good. Hope life is treating you well. Hope you're all safe and sound. Uh, let's see. What is your favorite retro video game? That's, that's an interesting question. I guess it depends how you define retro. Like, I still play my PlayStation 3. Like, over this past year where, like, I've been stuck in the house, I, I pulled it out of the garage and I hooked it back up. And I, I like to play the show. That's, like, the baseball game. I have the show 2013. That was a good year for the A's. And I, I play that a lot. I've kind of, I've kind of, like, taken the whole league and I've morphed it into my own thing. I like added players, changed players, and had a good time with that, but I don't know if that's retro enough. I think my favorite arcade game of all the times in space is uh Miss Pac-Man. I think that when it comes to video games, like Miss Pac-Man is kind of it's kind of the ultimate retro arcade challenge in that everybody's played Pac-Man. Everybody knows what Pac-Man is, so there's kind of like a level playing field. I'm I'm a pretty fair Miss Pac-Man player. I have a machine in the garage. It presently doesn't work, but over the years it did work, and I played it like a million times. I'm pretty good. I'm not Billy Mitchell by any stretch, but I'm about as good as you would expect for somebody who has, like, a machine of their own in the garage. I also like Burger Time. I love Burger Time like crazy. When I go to the uh, arcade here in town, Scandia, which has been which has been shut down for a year, I play a lot of uh, Burger Time. I also like... Uh, that's like, what's it called? Silent Scope, the sniper game. There's something fun about that. I would never want to be like a sniper in real life, but there's something about like sniping at dudes with that like rifle that's attached in the game. That's a lot, a lot of fun to me. I also like for the, for the Nintendo, for like the home game set, I like Baseball Stars. 
the baseball game. I love how you could like create your own teams and create your own players. That's really what like that's really what like interests me in a game. Being able to like create a league and make my own thing. I also like ranking. The boxing game, that one's a lot of fun for me. I'm trying to think what else do I what else do I play? I really liked combat for the Atari. I know that that's like the game that like everybody has and everybody played, but I always thought it was fun to like drive around in a tank and try to shoot at people. I liked Warlords for the Atari. Shout out to Ferg since we're talking Atari. I always thought that was fun. We didn't get four people on that. That was just like that was a good party game. Uh I like bases loaded. The baseball game for the Nintendo. I'm trying to think. I'm digging deep. I'm like, you can't see it right now, but I'm rubbing. I'm rubbing my forehead, trying to, like, get the juices flowing. I like Downland. That's a game I used to play back on my TSR-80. It was kind of kind of like a Mario Brothers sort of side-scrolling kind of knockoff thing. I'm not, like, the biggest video game dude in, in, in the world. I do enjoy playing, like, baseball sims and things like that. But I don't know if, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to, like, move forward in, into, like, getting a PlayStation 4 or, like, a PlayStation 5. This one, like, suits me pretty well. The graphics are cool enough for me. To, like, immerse myself in it. I mostly gotta think that I like... I like sports games the most. I think that, like, some people like games where you shoot people. Some people like games where you go on adventures. I, myself, I guess my fantasy is to, like, run a baseball team. I don't know, man. I hope that I hope that answers that one for you, Stuntman Mike. I'm trying to think if there's any other games that I, I dig before I uh, move out of this topic. I can't think of anything, like... I can't think of anything, like, off the top of my head that really, like, gets my juices flowing. I like Congo. I like that game where you, like, swing on vines and stuff. I like, I said, Burger Time. I like Congo. I like Berserk. I really love Berserk in the arcade. I think that, like, when Evil Otto bounces in and you hear that voice, I always thought that was, like, I always thought that was super fun. I... I also like pinball. I don't play as much pinball as I used to, but I'm a big fan of, like, Pinbot. I think Pinbot's, like, an amazing game. What I like about pinball is, like, that it's an actual, like, moving ball. You know, that there's, like, this actual, factual, like, real thing in there, and it's like the physics are real. You know, video games have, like, decent physics or whatever, but I like how I like how it just feels so much more random than a video game. Shout out to my guy Preston from Retrofied Magazine. Oh, he, he mentioned to me the other day that he was out doing some work for his magazine, Retrofied Magazine, at a convention, and he bumped into, I think it was called Toylanta, and he bumped into my guy Rob. Rob the uh, Transformer expert, and I want to send a shout out to uh, to Rob for that. Big shout out to you. Big shout out to the homies at Zone Base. Big shout out to Retrofied Magazine, which if you're not reading, you're missing out because it's a lot of fun. Let's see, what's the next question we have this one is from Greg, and this has actually come up like a few times recently. People have been tweeting at me and asking me this, and basically the gist is, I uh, I liked it when you were doing two, three shows a week. Is there any chance of that ever happening again? I, I liked doing that at the beginning of all this. The problem is like, it interferes with like my real life work. I'm just like, you guys out there, man, I'm just trying to make a buck. I'm trying to get by like everyone. And like from time to time, I take like freelance editing work or like freelance voice work or whatever. And by by doing like the two or three shows a week, I just like, I can't fit in the paying work. I, I feel like this and I'm not like begging. I'm not like doing whatever. But if you guys all hit up Patreon, if you guys hit up my Patreon at supportthereport.com and I could get this up to like... a month. I think that at that point I could quit like the extra freelance editing work and kind of focus on doing like two shows a week. I couldn't guarantee that that would happen, but it's like, it's mostly just financial. I feel like I have the ability to do two shows a week. I feel like I could talk that much for, for two shows a week, but it's just like, it would take away from the paying work. If you know what I'm saying. So if you want me to do that, just like, and I hate to say it and I hate to put it that way, but if you want me to do that, you guys got to make it like financially feasible for me to do show, do so. I would, I would definitely like to do it, but it's like, I got to keep the lights on for real here on the earth base. I got to be able to buy groceries. So it's like, if you want it, hop on over to supportthereport.com. If I could get like 200 patrons and I know how many people listen to the show. And there's far more of you than that. If I could get, like, 200 patrons, I could definitely go to two shows a week. So consider that. Think about it. If it's something you would like, toss a couple bucks into the pot, make it so that Icy Robots doesn't have to, like, edit things for other people and do voice work for things that he doesn't like to do. And uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just uh, supportthereport.com. It is all there for you. Let's see. Uh, this is this is a good question. This comes from my guy, Mighty Matt D, my Pokemon friend. This is probably... The best question of all the questions, the big unanswerable question. 
Has the bug changed anything for you permanently? Like your habits, your job, or day-to-day -day stuff? Man, I... I don't even know. That's, like, such a big, vast question. It has, of course, changed me. I've, like, I've become very accustomed to just, like, being in the house. And it's kind of shown me in a way that, like, a lot of the things I felt like I needed, I don't actually need in real life, if that makes sense. Like, I used to go out and I used to do a lot more fun stuff. But, like, over the year, I've, like, taken my life and I've become more, like, in the house, like everyone else. And it's very satisfying to me to, to be here. And to do things around here, it's like having all these things taken away from me has sort of like shown me how little I actually need in my life. Like we used to go to the movies like two, three times a week sometimes. And I don't like, I don't ever see me doing that again. I don't see me going that often. Like, sure, I do want to go and I like to go. But it's like, will I go all the time? I don't know. It just does not seem as important as it used to be. I used to go to Target or Walmart to look for toys all the time. It's just, I don't know that any of that stuff is important to me. Now, I exercise, I walk, I go outside and I lift things and I have a garden that I really like and I've gotten to know my neighbors a little better. And I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways my life has become simpler, but also better, if that makes any sense. I really don't need as much as I thought that I would ever need. I spend time with my wife. I spend time with the kid. I spend time talking to my folks on the phone. And it's just, I don't know that I'll ever need any of the things that are out there like I used to. And I feel like a lot of people feel the same way. I just don't know how this is going to affect all of the earth. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm sort of like a, an introverted kind of guy. I don't really, I don't really thrive on like, being with people or being around people. I kind of strive more being like with my family or my close friends and like doing this and doing these other things. And there's like, there's like this, this pull. Society has this pull on you to go out and live an exciting life and to do all these things and to buy all these things. And just, I think that this year of none of that is going to reveal to people that none of that was important in the first place. If that makes any sense, I guess, I guess what it all comes down to is now I know what's important in my life and going out and seeing 20 movies a week and buying tons of toys and seeing tons of people and like going to people's weddings and going to parties and doing all these things. They're just not that important to me anymore. And I don't know that like, I don't know if they ever will be again. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I honestly think that like having a simple, peaceful, happy life is the best thing that you could strive for. And that's... That's what I've actually achieved this year. Like, I'm practically like a farmer at this point. I just spend my time outside working with my plants, watering my plants, walking around, just like living this quiet, solitary life. And you know what? It's not bad. I like it. I think it's good. I think I am very, very happy right now. Sure, I do absolutely miss being able to do whatever I want, but just, I think, like, knowing that it's out there and it's available for me might be enough. It might be enough just to have the option to fly free. I think that a lot of us feel, like, this weird, this weirdness inside because you can't do what you want. But I don't know if I'll necessarily want to do what I want. But I do want the option to do what I want, if that makes any sense, I guess. Matt, this was a good question. There's a lot, a lot of thinking involved with this. And I'm going to have to definitely, like, put more thought into it. But I... I appreciate you being such a good Pokemon pal all these years, and I appreciate the, the support you've given me as a patron. Big shout out to all the show patrons out there, man. Big shout out to all of you. And I, I appreciate all these questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop for right now. The next time you hear me, good lord willing, I'll have gone and got the vaccine. I'm going tomorrow morning, so we're all gonna hope that that happens. Let's, uh, let's cross our fingers and, uh, dot our I's and cross our T's. Hold up, hold up, we're gonna, we're gonna back it up a little bit. I got, um, I got one more question here. It just popped up on the tweets, and I, I like this one, so we're gonna do it really quick. It's from our guy, Teen Idol. The Teen Idol over on Twitter. He's, uh, he's a good friend of Gino's. He's, a uh, Gino's pal. Let's see what we got here. He wants to know if I have any interesting stories from me and Gino's days back at UA6. That's the uh, movie theater that we worked at. That's where I met him. That's how we became like lifelong chums. Let me see. I I have I have a bunch of uh 
I apologize. I have a cough drop in my mouth right now. I have like a tickle in my throat. My my allergies, my seasonal allergies. Shout out to everybody with seasonal allergies are, are acting up. Let's see. There was this one time I remember where me me and Gina, we uh we were tasked with like going around the outside of the movie theater and sweeping up and seeing if like like, all the doors were locked and everything, so people couldn't sneak in. We're like, we're sweeping, and we're sweeping and stuff. And before you know it, we just, like, we kept sweeping and moving and moving and sweeping. And then before you know it, we're, like, across the street over at the uh, post office. And we, like, we hung around there for a few minutes and, like, swept up swept up the uh, lobby of the post office before heading back into work. We were both ushers, which meant our jobs were, like, cleaning up movie theaters afterwards, like, sweeping up popcorn and doing all that stuff. And, like, I do have, like, a million, billion stories from that era, but I don't, I don't want to blow them all because I know at some point Gino's plans on doing, like, a movie theater episode, and I want to do, like, a movie theater episode as well. But there was, there was another time where this lady came back in and she said that her daughter lost her retainer. And she needed our help finding it. And, like, we looked all over the theater and we couldn't find it. And we looked over here and there and we couldn't find it. And it ended up with, like, the theater manager, this lady, Marsha, like, making me and me and Gino go into, like, the dumpster. The dumpster outside the building and, like, dig around looking for this lady's retainer. And I don't remember if we ever found it or not. I kind of think we didn't, but we might have. But I remember we just, like... Being, like, in this dumpster, like, full of garbage, like, like, looking around for this thing, I felt like, uh, Luke and Han Solo in the, uh, in the trash compactor on the Death Star. And we're just, like, we're, like, just looking around going, like, what in our lives has led us to this moment where we're just, like, we're, like, waist deep in disgusting garbage looking for something that somebody's gonna go and stick right back in their mouth. I, I don't know, dude. It was very, very strange. I think in, like... I think, like, all my time at the theater, I only remember, like, two employee screenings. One was for Mortal Kombat, and the other was for the, uh, Johnny Depp, Ed Wood movie. It is such a great movie, and I feel like it's, like, it's, like, lost in time. As I recall, there were, like, Oscar nominations and everything for it, and it did, like, it did really well, but they had a midnight screening for that, and that was a lot of fun. The Mortal Kombat screening was, like, that was, like, extra fun, because that was at the Cottingtown Theater, which, like no longer exists, rest in peace to the, uh, Cottingtown cinemas, but, um, but it was fun to be there after hours, hanging out, watching the movie, that was just, like, that was a really good time in my life, if I could have, like, made a living being a movie theater usher, I feel like I would have stayed with that for, like, all eternity, because it wasn't that bad, just, like, sweeping things up, walking around, doing all kinds of stuff, that's where I met Gino, that's where I met, um, the lady who's now my wife, so that all really, like, that all really played out really well for me, but um, that was like such a fun time in my life. We were awful employees. We were just like walking around outside the building, leaving, coming back. It was just cool being young. It was just cool being young, working super late, hanging out afterwards, and just, I don't know, dude, I really, really look at that time as a good time in my life. Now, we're going to move forward into what will uh, hopefully be the post-vaccine world. I'm going to get it tomorrow. Last time it got canceled. Let's hope that it is all good in the hood this time. Let's get that shot. Well, guys, I am back, and guess what? I got that shot. It was really great. Really efficient, very super-duper well-put-together event. It was at the um, Sonoma County Fairgrounds, and the way that it worked was, like, you go in, they take they take a temperature, as like to do for just, like, everything, seemingly nowadays, but they take your temperature, then you go, you sign in, they send you to one area, you wait for a second, then the first thing they do is they, they get you ready for your second appointment. Like, they sign you up for a second appointment, and then... You go, you sit down, and you get the shot. The shot itself was, like, very, very, very easy. I got to tell you, man, I'm not, like, needle-phobic, but I'm just like everyone else. I don't like getting shots, and I hardly felt it. Like, I did not feel anything. It was, like, a slight poke. Next thing you know, she's like, okay, you're all done. Go sit over there, and then I had to sit in an area for 15 minutes, and they they ask you to verify your appointment online. And then they let you go. They sign your card and they let you go. So I am now halfway to being fully vaccinated. My arm, my arm is a little sore, but it's not like majorly sore by any stretch. Just like, 
just like slightly sore. Like if you w- went to the gym or something, like you did some curls, you know, like like post curls kind of thing. But man, I, I got to tell you, I am so happy. I am so happy right now that I survived because there were points at the beginning where it's like you didn't you didn't know what was going on. You're afraid you're going to get it. You're afraid you're not even going to survive the year. And over the course of this past year, I, you know, I lost two relatives. I lost an aunt and an uncle to the bug. And it's just I am glad that at least to some degree, I'm now through it. I made it. I survived. And if you guys are, if you guys are hesitant, if you're vaccine hesitant, I understand. I, I do. It's, it's scary. It's scary to do something like this, but you, you really, you really should. You really, really should go out there and you should do this. If not for yourself, for the people around you, the more people we can get vaccinated, the sooner we can hit the tipping point and the sooner that we can just like be beyond this and go back to whatever kind of normal life there is for us. I highly recommend it. The vaccine is ISR approved. I got the I got the Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine. My appointment to get the second shot is in three weeks. I'm looking forward to that. I'm just looking forward to just like living a life where I'm no longer afraid to be around people. You know, if that, that makes any sense. I, I think that it does. But uh, my guys, we're all wondering what comes next. This is going to be the final episode of the Getting Vaccinated show. It's the end of the Stuck at Home saga. I think what's coming next is more than likely more the same. I think that I've found a nice format for a show. A half hour is easy for me to produce. We have some nice little snappy segments and moves along. So I would imagine whatever the next iteration of this is going to be something similar to this, I guess. Probably going to ditch some of the pandemic-related topics, but we'll add new topics and things. But I have had a really good time spending this year with you guys. I've been stuck in the house, but I felt like you were with me all along, and I hope that you felt the same way. I gotta gotta send a big shout-out to Gino. Gotta send a big shout out to Sarah. Thank you for contributing these segments all through the year. Extra shout out to Sarah for filling in for me for a couple weeks when I wasn't feeling up to it. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. You've been great partners through all this. There wouldn't be a Stuck at Home show without you guys. You guys really helped me pull it through. I want to send a shout out to everybody who listens. I want to tell you guys how much I love you. There were times when I was down and you reached out to me. I want to just want you to know that it like, really means a lot. I think that we all made it through this together. You know, it, without without each other, we would have been home alone, being bored, being sad. But we, we spent this year together having fun, being happy. And it's been it's been hard. It's been long. But I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're going to make it. Please get that shot. Please be good to each other until I'm back. Do not consider this goodbye. Consider it a see you soon. Until then, this is me, Icy Robot, signing off. This has been an IC Robots radio production. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. IC Robots, are you there? Pick up the phone. I said pick it up. Fine, be that way. It's me, Iceberg. I talked to the Commodore and he says you can have your job on the moon base back now that you are vaccinated. Give me a call if you are interested. Tell him I said hello. Emily says, hello?